Hi everyone. Today's episode is brought to you by Fuelixer. Fuelixer is the sports nutrition subscription box built for endurance athletes and enthusiasts. Every weekend, thousands of men and women strap on their running shoes, hop on their bikes, plunge into pools to train for the next big race. From newbies to Olympic athletes, these individuals are serious about their sports. Spending thousands of dollars on equipment, coaching, and training, all in an effort to reach their peak. They don't know it, but they're missing something. The power they are after isn't in the fancy gear or in coaching alone. The real secret is nutrition. And when it comes to sports performance, what you put in your body matters as much as what you do with your body. Rather than shipping subscribers a random box of sports nutrition products, Fuelixer builds boxes using a combination of performance data from Strava, nutrition requirements, and taste preferences. Fuelixer sees the types of workouts you do and gets insights into the weekly training volume. Fuelixer combines this data with nutrition requirements and your preferences gathered through the Fuelixer survey. Empowered by sports nutritionists, ex-pro cyclists, competitive athletes, in a little math, Felixer's journey begins by doing the shopping, researching, and calculating for you, the athlete. Felixer makes practicing sports nutrition a personalized experience for newbies all the way to U.S. Olympic athletes. It's easy and fun to get started. All you have to do is go to Felixer.com, connect your Strava performance data, take a quick nutrition survey, and boom, Fuelixer selects the sports nutrition gels, bars, chews, hydration, protein, and recovery fuel that fit your individual nutritional requirements and preferences. All you do is you choose your Fuelixer recommended box size that was calculated based on your historical performance data. With Fuelixer, you can unlock your potential and really get back to what you are most passionate about. Whether it's cycling, running, or swimming, Fuelixer fuels you. Now, let's tune in to the Fuel Talk podcast. My name is Pablo Quiroga. I'm your host, and this is Fuel Talk, the show where we discover people and products with ties to nutrition, data, performance sports, and the mind. On today's episode, we welcome Michael Epstein. What is your response when people ask you, how are you today? You know, if you're at a restaurant and the waitress comes up or a buddy of yours, you know, you haven't seen in a while, um, sees you and says, hey man, how are you today? Well, Michael Epstein's innate response is never better. Believe me, I was with him for over three days and it's exactly what I heard everywhere we went. <laughs> so it's really this attitude that after meeting Michael, there's no doubt in my soul that a giving heart attracts other giving hearts. It's really that simple. For over 30 years, Michael has led many major events across the United States and North America, including the biggest triathlon in Malibu, California, called Nautica Malibu Triathlon, presented by Equinox. Michael, you know, over the, over the weekend, he, he opened up and blossomed 
very quickly. And sure enough, I was able to notice that he's most stoked for being able to raise over $10 million for Children's Hospital in Los Angeles, specifically Children's Center for Cancer and Blood Diseases. Michael's entrepreneurial path starts with lost shoes, throwing a party for his friends, and experiencing an impactful birth process with his son. Like all great endurance athletes, Michael is looking ahead for growth in business, and most of all, his love for raising funds to support Children's Center for Cancer Research. Today, we're gonna dive into Michael's journey as an athlete, entrepreneur, and fundraising guru. First of all, thanks for having us here in your home. Thank you for being here. Yeah, man. Welcome. Um, we had an amazing ride this morning with Bruce. Came out to Malibu and started seeing parts of, uh, of this state in this area that I've never seen before. And it was definitely a, um, an amazing, amazing experience. You're from here, right? Or where are you no, from? No, originally I'm actually from the East Coast. I was born in Philadelphia. You were born in Philadelphia? Yeah. That's why you're wearing that shirt. Exactly. I'm an Eagles fan. Yep. <laughs> Tried and true. Right on. What brought you out here to, to California? I moved to California right when I graduated college. So I graduated college in 1983 and just kind of actually wanted to move to the West Coast for a year. And then I was going to come back and just fell in love with it and never came back. What is the name of your, your event? So our main event is called the Nautica Malibu Triathlon. It's yeah. a celebrity-based triathlon it's a fundraiser for Children's Hospital Los Angeles that we started 31 years ago. Wow. So you've been doing this for 31 years? Correct. Yep. What got you into that? Just answered my passion. So I started, I started to say competing, but really participating in triathlons in the mid-80s with my friend Bruce. Yeah. Um, and loved it. Just, just loved every, loved the people that I met, you know, literally lifelong friendships. And this bears it out right here. Yeah. Um, love the energy, love the challenge. I never was about seeing how fast I could go. I always wanted to go longer, you know. So if I did a short distance triathlon, I wanted to do a longer distance triathlon. <clears throat> kind of found my way into a triathlon club in Malibu that I trained with, and um, wanted to do more. Started volunteering at events, handing out water at aid stations, and uh, actually did a race in, you gotta watch what you ask me because sometimes I got long answers. Um, did a race in Boston in 1986. It was an Olympic distance triathlon. Back then it was like really new. No one knew what triathlon was. And they lost my shoes in the run. It was a 10K run. I ended up running it barefoot. Finished. No um, and at the end of the day, there was, they lost about 50 people's shoes out of 2,000. And people were up yelling at their race director. And I went up and I was like, hey, I just want you to know, like, I can't believe the only thing that happened wrong was that you lost 50 people's shoes because I had never seen an event before, you know, like that, or period. And we biked from, we swam in a lake outside Boston. They closed down literally highways. I'd never been to Boston. We biked by Fenway Park, ran along the Charles River. We literally got a tour of the city as part of this race. And I was just blown away. I was just like, I was just thankful, you know? And I'm just like, that's all that happened was you lost my shoes. Thank you for this experience. I said to the guy, what else can I do? You know, like, how can I get more involved? This is before I started volunteering events. He goes, why don't you put on your own event? Hmm. So this guy planted a seed. And I was just like, no, I don't even know what I'm doing. He's like, well, why not? And started volunteering and worked part-time. I was fortunate I had a job where I had a lot of time off and worked part-time for a local 
promoter and then finally created this event in Malibu just uh, you know for fun as a hobby and uh, it grew into something yeah yeah well I mean you say for fun as a hobby but I mean it's it takes a lot to you know to put on all, all the pieces and, and, and create an experience like this where people are you know paying for and, and they show up and they want to have fun yeah yeah our first event had 300 people and I actually lost money and I didn't do it to make money you know I just did it to see if I could do it yeah and I'll never forget to this day it's just it was a sunny day at this beach down the street from my house which wasn't my house back then and 300 people had fun because of the work that I did I actually had a partner that was a roommate of mine my roommate was in real estate and he's like this is the dumbest thing I've ever done he's like we've worked our asses off for six (laughs) months and lost money yeah. And he was out, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I was like, wow. Like, people are having fun because, I, like, I can't even explain the the sense of, uh, not accomplishment, but just gratification of, yeah. of being able to, you know, enable people to have a great time, you know, and people saying thank you. And um, so I just kept doing it, you know? Mm-hmm. He was out. I kept doing it. We weren't, like, official partners. It was just kind of for fun at the time. And I think the next year we probably broke even and kept learning about what people wanted and what our attributes were and you know years later celebrities started showing up and we started raising money for charity and it's really really turned into a big event yeah talk to me about your charity how was that um what is that like again be careful what you ask me because they're long stories um when i first got married and had a child my ex-wife was pregnant with our son and was diagnosed with cancer while she was pregnant and uh, it was a tough time. She's fine now, super healthy. But we had to deliver our son six weeks premature. Um, she had to have surgery a week after the delivery. So it was a really, really trying time. And somehow we came out of it. You know, she was incredible, never complained. Actually got diagnosed with liver, liver cancer right after that and beat that as well. Uh, our son was supposed to be sick when he was born because back then, now six weeks premature isn't even that big of a deal, but back then it was. And uh, he was actually healthy. So he was healthier than he was supposed to be to the point that it actually caused us a problem because they told us he was going to be in the hospital for a long time and he yeah. wasn't. And they're like, he's coming home. We're like, yeah. what? <laughs> he told us he wasn't going to be coming home. But anyhow, I wanted to give back after that. I was just like, I you know, said to my ex, I'm like, you know what? I want to figure out a way to give back and give back to children's causes. She's like, yeah, go for it. And we were putting on a lot of events by then. Uh, A lot of things serendipitously happened at the same time. Tom Cruise showed up and did the race. Um, And we're like, that's cool. We're in Malibu. We've got celebrities. We want to help charity. The stars were aligning. You know, and the stars were aligning. So at that time, um, the kind of AIDS kind of outburst had just really kind of hit the scene. So we partnered with the Pediatric AIDS Foundation. I wanted to partner with children, and AIDS was this just expanding disease. So we I went up to the Pediatric AIDS Foundation and said, I know nothing about fundraising, but I want to raise money for you. And they're like, sure, okay. <laughs> um, and their specific uh, goal was to prevent the mother-to-child transmission of the AIDS virus because the person that started the foundation got a transfusion back then. They weren't checking blood, got HIV, gave it to her kids, Two out of three kids passed away from the virus. The wow. mom passed away. Her name was Elizabeth Glaser, and was she was married to a famous actor. 
Um, so we wanted to help them and help them with their research. So I think the first year, I think we raised five or six thousand dollars for them. Robin Williams actually came out and supported us. He was our host and helped get it off the ground and kind of created that energy. Incredible. You know, we started figuring out how to raise it. First year it was like five thousand, then it was ten thousand, and then it was. 50000 then it was 60000 Eventually, I think we raised about six or $700,000 for them. They found the drug. You know, the research actually worked. We saw this process over the course of eight or nine years that prevented the transmission of the virus. Yeah. And they wiped it out in the U.S. and started kind of moving out worldwide. So from then, we're like, okay, they, we weren't, I wasn't a global thinker, so we wanted to continue to help children. We stopped helping them. Started helping Children's Hospital Los Angeles with pediatric cancer research there because I liked research for having been involved. We've been with them for the last 10 years and we've raised almost $11 million for them. So it's been going well. Wow. It's been going well. We're super proud of our accomplishments. Yeah. Yeah. And it totally just started off by you just wanting to throw a, a race for people, right? Throw a party for some of my friends, literally. Yeah. <laughs> and did you say one of the floors were named after the triathlon? Last year, they named the lobby of the children's cancer floor after the triathlon. So it's like called the Nautica Malibu Triathlon Lobby, which is super, definitely a crowning achievement. You know? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. What would you, um, what are some of the key people that you've worked with, like partnering up uh, with across, you know, different verticals in, in this space and races? I mean, in terms of key people, literally hundreds and hundreds. I mean, Tons. from. Kids that volunteer to hand out water on the wrong yeah. course, like we couldn't do without them. You know, yeah. we literally couldn't do without them. You know, to the actors and actresses that kind of help us get the publicity, that gets more people out there, the city, the police department, the lifeguards, the sponsors. And Nautica has been the title sponsor for 21 years, which is unheard of. You know, in sports marketing, that just doesn't happen. Mm. You know, and it's just, again, people with vision people you know that believe in what we do and us kind of stepping up to the plate and making sure that we meet their goals and objectives as well when you choose your partnerships and your sponsors and stuff um do you feel yourself personally like you have to have some sort of connection with them um like they like their vision kind of has to be um you know Kind of like yours, you know, like, I mean, do you guys have to mesh well or do you just go after money, you know? No, absolutely. I, I think I'm terrible at sales. I, I couldn't, like, I couldn't go to a company and get a sales job. I'm not a good salesman. But that said, we, we again, for like a, you know, a small company, the endemic or, and non-endemic corporations that we work with are like a who's who of sports marketing. And it is because I believe in what I do and I believe in what they do. So for sure, it's like a coming together of the visions, whether it's the people work there, what the brands stand for, and what the brands believe in, you know. So, um, absolutely, it's brands that connect with our audience and with our mission. Yeah. You feel that the why of you know why you continue uh, throwing you know Nautica Malibu events has changed over the time from the beginning to now. I think the basic reason hasn't. I think the level of sophistication has changed a lot. So I think that. People's expectations have increased dramatically over time, and I think we constantly challenge ourselves. And when I say we, it's like it's a whole committee. I don't put on the event. I have yeah. literally hundreds and hundreds of people that help us. 
<clears throat> and I think that we've worked really, really hard as a team to make sure that we're like, even though it's a swim, bike, and run, and essentially that hasn't changed in 30 years, that the energy um, changes in time with people's goals and objectives, and we make sure that whether it's the sponsor's energy, our energy, the athlete's energy, that we're connecting with it and challenging ourselves to continue to make it a, a new and fresh experience. Yeah, yeah. So, what, you know, if you're you're always giving and giving and giving and, you know, pouring out of energy, um, like you welcome, you know, us o- over the couple days here and, you know, I could just tell you, you you're present, you know, you're there, uh, which is a wonderful thing. So um, how does someone like you recharge? Like, where do you go to, you know, plug in? Like, you know, like you charge your electric car. Like, where, 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 where do you go to recharge? Like, I mean, that's, that's, that's a great question. And the process gives me energy. I mean, the, the, everything. Like, just doing what I do. You just love That's energizing. Time, yeah. That's energizing. It's really cool. Um, so people, people are very passionate about our event. We're fortunate to that. So people start training. It, it's become ingrained in the DNA of Malibu, which is cool for me, you know, when I first moved to this community, which is only the last four or five years, I was actually a little embarrassed because I know we closed the roads and we inconvenience people. And I wouldn't really tell people that, you know, I was the guy that put on this <laughs> thing that shuts down their streets. And, you know, it would get out and people were like, oh, I did that with my kid, you know, or, oh, my family did that three years ago. And I realized that it was actually part of the DNA of the community. Wow. And that just kind of, was, that, that was a huge shift for me. And I was like, wow, this is super, super cool. Yeah. But little, little things recharge me. I was walking my dog in my neighborhood the other day. And one of my neighbors, who I don't even know that well, but super nice guy, let me know. This guy's 57 years old. He's a, he just signed up for his first triathlon. He's lived across the street from the triathlon for the entire 30 years, never done it, and is doing it with his 24-year-old. So he's connecting with his son. Neither one of them have ever done a triathlon. It's a two-day event. One's going to do one day so that the dad can watch the kid, and then the dad's going to do the other day so the kid can watch watch the dad. That little story on a Tuesday morning at 7 a.m. walking my dog was just like... Fire. Wow, this is why I do what I do. Yeah, you know, so fire. it's like I don't really feel like I give out energy. I mean, it just, it's just—it's I—I'm still like tingling from that moment. You know, two weeks yeah. ago, walking the dog. You know, totally, totally. I mean, I, you know, riding this morning uh, with you and Bruce. You know, Bruce was saying the whole ride. You know, and my heart is singing. My heart is singing, and I, I was literally feeling that too. You know, <laughs> just riding around here uh, was pretty exhilarating. And I think those moments where um, nothing is um, staged and, and just just happens because that's where you are, you know, and, and that's what's going on around you. Uh, those are those are special, special things. Where do you see um, your charity and your event and your business, um, that part of your life kind of going in the next in the future? Right? Do you, do you, do you I mean, that's a good question. It? I've been doing it for 30 years. Yeah. Um, our, so last year was our 30th anniversary and amazingly I had more fun last year or not more but as much fun as year one so that to me I'm just thankful for but I think from a fundraising side we like we kind of like tapped out at this like 1.2 1.3 million dollars that we raised which is nothing to be ashamed of but I want to figure out how to double that like I want to figure out what I have to do what am I not doing that I need to do to motivate people 
to help. I mean, the, the athletes help us raise the money. You know, how do I? What can I do differently to <clears throat> to take that to two million dollars a year? And I think that challenge literally sets a tone for the next two years. Be, next ten years is because I don't know. I might have to change the event. Maybe we're going to add it. Maybe we're going to add a paddleboarding event. I don't. I don't even know what it is. But I think when we have that kind of overall marching orders, that that will set the tone for the things that we need to do differently. It's not necessarily about the money. It's just about the opportunity to help more. And I think you got to have goals to, to strive for. And that's a little bit daunting because it's a long way from where we're at now. Totally. So I think that helps a lot. Um, as I mentioned to you before, we used to push a lot of other events and we don't anymore, which is really exciting because now I have the time to come up with those ideas. You yeah. know? So whatever it is, I don't even know yet, but there's things out there that we're not doing. There's partnerships that we haven't, you know, you know, that are going to appear two years from now that I don't even know are on the table right now. Do all your events uh, funnel to that charity? Well, which the, no, no, no. Okay. No. So no, just this, this one, one event raises money for that one charity. Yeah. Uh-huh. We don't, we don't, nothing else raises money for Wow, us. so just with like one, one event, it's uh, 11 million in... In 10 years, yeah. yeah. We were talking a little bit earlier too, you know, about like the participation in, in some of these, you know, events and uh, people's experiences and, you know, I, I think what, what you heard the other day with your neighbor, you know, um, of the reasons why they're doing it, I think that's, that's something that we, I, I see in Vegas as well. People just uh, kind of first timers getting on the bike or going out and doing a triathlon. And it's it's shifting from like wanting to get medals to just wanting to do something with someone they're really close with. So it's more of like, oh, let's, you know, our core team, our family members, best friends, let's just go out and do something together. And instead of, uh, oh, I'm tracking my PR and, and I just want to, you know, <laughs> go get another medal. Um, so like, you know, is there is there a way, do you see, you know, kind of like capturing um, that type of approach to these events, um, you know, as something that would be beneficial for you and like the overall community. Cause when you're talking about, you know, people in, in your community feeling like this event is something they're looking forward to a year in advance, like, Oh, I can't wait to do it next year, you know, and they're blocking out dates, you know, taking off from work or whatever, not going to Europe instead of, you know, they're staying here. Um, I mean, that's, it's pretty impactful, right? When they're, they're aligning your event with, uh, or this event with their life. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I agree. I mean, one of the things that we've been successful at that we need to do more of is that we involve a lot of corporations in LA. So all the studios, all the entertainment companies, you know, companies like Disney, Lionsgate, Warner Brothers, um, Put teams together of employees, uh-huh. so building that camaraderie, building that experience, you know, so where they come out and train together with their friends. I think we have a lot more that we can do with that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we, we've had a really good start. It's probably almost half the event right now, um, but I think there's a lot more we can do with that. Mm-hmm. Right, corporate, you know, type of team building and, and things like that. If you didn't get into um, events and endurance sports and things like that, what do you think you would have been doing right now? But that's a great question. I've actually never really thought about that. Um, as Bruce mentioned earlier, I used to work on offshore oil rigs. I used to go out in the middle of the ocean, you know, a couple of 
weeks a month. Um, I did that for three or four years. My background's in operations management, but I honestly don't know because I was never happy working for a company. I never... I, I don't know. Probably something else entrepreneurial. You know, yeah. I've always wanted to have a bar in the Caribbean, so maybe that. I don't know. <laughs> Bruce likes going to the Caribbean. Yes, sir. <laughs> have you guys scuba diving? He's gone to the Caribbean. We I've just crossed paths scuba diving, but we never yeah. really dove. You never stop. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Man, but I was thinking about St. Croix. You might want to share that experience at Ironman. Was that where you? Uh, I was like a half or something. Uh, St. Croix. It was just another race. So. Yeah. Yeah. Have you had any like um, kind of got a good memory? <laughs> really, really impactful um, things happen during an event, uh, during a race that you were in, um, that kind of like shifted your thinking. What I'm, uh, I guess, like what I'm trying to get at is like I've gone, t- I've gone to uh, Grand Fondos and you know I broke at the top of M- uh, Mount Palomar, like started crying, you know, because I was just broken. I was done. Had tons of like. You know, flashbacks from when I was a kid or whatever, you know, happy moments, bad moments, whatever. Um, it just broke me down. And it, it almost like I'm telling the story now, so it had some sort of impact on my life, right? Have you had those moments uh, during a race or. I uh, mean, competing or. Yeah, competing yeah. or just for fun, you know, going out. Yeah, I mean, I think it's like life in general. I mean, the things that you fail at or that you that challenge you learn more from than your successes. And I, I don't know. I mean, the. I guess the, the, from a race experience, I trained for years and years and years to do an Ironman. I did the first, it's called the Vineman Triathlon. I think it's an Ironman now. And I didn't finish, you know. And that sucked, you know. I made it till 12 miles or 13 miles on the run and got dehydrated and needed four or five IVs to recover. And a week later, or two weeks later, I did another Ironman because I had already had the base fitness and fitness. So I think you learned from, you know, challenges for sure. What's been your biggest failure? Well, for racing-wise, that for sure. In life? <laughs> I'd rather not say. We can that. <laughs> come on, come on, come on. No. I mean, those are, those are the ones that we learn the most from, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what do you do for um, extracurricular activities? Like, what do you just uh, just love doing? Well, like we did this morning, so yeah. cycling is still. I was gonna say my passion, but it's not even my passion. It's just it's 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 not that I'm not passionate about it. It's just it's ingrained in my life. Like yeah. you know, even when I'm slow, I'm having fun. Um, I enjoy it. I enjoy it when I'm slow. I enjoy it when I'm fit. Um, uh, motorcycle riding and you know spending time with my beautiful girlfriend and my great son yeah. you know? yeah. well what are you most grateful then everything yeah, I'm grateful for every good thing and every bad thing that's happened in my life because everything gets all of us to where we are today and you know I'm I can't believe that I live in this community and this and I'm literally every day I'm just you know, your wife asked me today if you kind of just get used to the ocean of views and stuff like that. And no, like I, I, I'm thankful for the exact same bike ride that I do, you know, twice a week. Um, my friends, everything. Yeah. I know I, I still can't get a good story from you guys out, out of you, but you guys have any good stories? <laughs> Ruth? You're not going to get any good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people listen to this. Oh, man. Well, 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm still... There's a... I've met a lot, I've met a lot of people and like not, there's, there's not so many people that just continue going at it. Like, have you ever had a moment where just like a, you had a big setback where you're just like, man, I don't, I don't want to do oh, this Oh, tons, work-wise, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 like events where we couldn't get the attendance where we needed to be. It's interesting. That, that, that's a great question. Um, so I really shifted uh, some on purpose. I mean, business-wise, for sure, failures. I mean, a lot of our cutting back our events wasn't by design. It was competition, yeah. you know. Um, and it was kind of, but even that was a fun process. So I had, to, I had to downsize my office and downsize my staff. And, I mean, I had choices. I had to make choices. I could have, you know, rolled up my sleeves and tried to, you know, bang it out and be more competitive. I'm just at an age where I didn't really want to do that. And um, but long story short, is in this downsizing process, you know, was cleaning out files. And literally, and I, I mentioned today at lunch that I, that I have this, I'm not sure if it's a skill or, or a weakness or whatever, but where I just kind of block out challenges, not on purpose, but like just things that didn't go well. And I started cleaning out these files. There was events that like, stuff that we, like I forgot, like the things that we tried to get off the ground that never worked, you know? Mm-hmm. That I had literally some things that I had worked for years on. That, that just I saw old proposals. And I was like, oh wow, yeah, like because I just looked at the successful stuff. You know, yeah. we were putting on events and literally, like I mentioned, having four or five thousand people in you know ten, twelve cities around the country and major sponsorship and television shows. And I forgot about all the stuff that I tried that didn't work. You know, that literally, like whether it was a small bike ride tours, people that thought they had ideas that they wanted us to kind of flesh out for them that we just never did. And there was, there was, a, I mean, not just like, a, I'm not talking about like a scratch on a piece of napkin. I'm talking about things that we worked on for two, three years and got permits and proposals and that just never got off the ground. And I completely forgot about it. And probably like 20 different projects that just Have you always work. been like that? Like even since a kid just kept on punching it forward? No, I think as a kid I <laughs> probably held on to it, but yeah. not anymore. Yeah. And I wouldn't say I completely forget about this stuff. I mean, yeah, obviously yeah. I don't, but I just don't try as much as I can not to dwell on it. You take any uh, any any knowledge or observations from sports, like from NFL? I know you like you love football. Do you take any like um, I don't know anything that you do in business? Do you kind of like I don't know observe something in sports? That Again, you- it's a really really good question and. 100% from the NFL. Really? Yeah. To me, the NFL is a machine in so many, so many ways. And whether it's the business of the NFL, where they've created literally a monster. I mean, you know, I mean, it's the biggest in terms of people that watch it, people that the money that's spent on it, the industry that they've created in the last 30 years. I mean, People have always liked football, but 30 years ago, it was nothing compared to what it is today. Um, to how a team is run. You know, the, the, I love what, and I'm not an expert, like I don't understand what every little defender does or anything like that, but I love watching how a coach runs a team and how they have to work with whoever they have. You know, it's like your number one defender gets hurt, those guys just move on. They're just like, all right, you know. The guy I was relying on for the last three years isn't there. Now, you know, they say it. It sounds so cliche. It's like the next man up, whatever. But it's like, and they're running 
multi, multi, multi-million dollar businesses on these premises where I would just think where it's just like harrowing so, or the decisions that they make that sometimes are wrong, you know, and, and the, the risks they take and how much is on the line. They're in front of 100,000 people with every decision. Every decision they make, 100,000 people are looking at it. And how many more on television? And the owner that's, you know, got... $500 million banking on like every past decision and how they do it and the process they have and the pressure that those coaches are under blows me away and I just I'm fascinated by it and for sure you can apply that to business what's your take on um, all the data analytics that is kind of well some teams are adapting that if not all I feel like in sports uh, do you do you use that in your in your world no I, I feel like and again I'm not like I'm a fan from the from the standpoint of I really enjoy it, but I'm not an expert. You know, like there's I have friends that just like even in their fantasy football, like yeah. they know so much. You know, like it blows me away. I don't. Um, well, for you, but 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 from what I do know and what I do read is I feel like as much as the analytics is out there, that a lot of these coaches and a lot of the general managers are still making decisions with their gut. I really and it's intuition, huh? Yeah, absolutely. Because you look at their draft picks and they're like, oh, on paper this guy looks amazing, and they didn't pick him, and they picked this guy that didn't do that well in the forty that day, but they just think he has heart, and they they think he has football sense, or they, you know they see something that they think they can coach, that they can teach him that he doesn't already know. So I, I think it's still. You know, maybe in baseball the analytics are a little bit more there, but I don't know. I think in football, it looks like a lot of those guys. You just look at their decisions, and you're just like, "Huh?" So I, I think it's still they're going with their hearts. Do you respect your intuition? Mine usually, <laughs> not always. <laughs> tuition is some people don't don't make a move off of off of their intuition. Oh, I use it ninety six percent of the time. <laughs> you know. It's not always a good thing. He's yeah. <laughs> bold. He's bold. Yeah. I don't know if that makes you bold. Decision I mean, nice. it's just... Yeah. Do you make uh, quick decisions or you, you no. like processing? No, I process... I, I overanalyze things for sure. Yeah. I remember when we used to run... We ran LA Marathon together. We'd done some centuries together. And all the training days of cold mornings and... Riding through Malibu Canyon and Mulholland and Lake Sherwood, Hidden Valley, Potrero, PCH, just having a blast. Some of the best times of our life, just having fun, working out, and being free. And then that turns into a business. And man, I'm fortunate. I'm really lucky. It's miraculous. Yeah, it doesn't happen to everyone. And here we are 30 years later, right? 30-something. Oh, you and me, more, yeah. Well, no, the same, probably right around the same time. No. All right around the same time. I don't know. What do you think is one of your traits that um, has developed into something where that you would love to pass on to uh, your kids? Uh, for sure. I mean, it's... I think it's obvious and it's just and, and that's I mean I have one son that's it and uh, it's probably the only thing that really worries me because he's crazy smart and he's going to be crazy <laughs> successful and he's motivated and he's driven is that I'm fortunate and I, I've been I guess for the world that I'm in I've been extremely successful 
in the bigger scheme of the world, I've been fairly successful. Um, but it's not never come from me. I mean, I'm, I'm super bottom line driven and pay attention to numbers all the time. You can't run a business if you don't. Um, but it's always been about my passion, you know, and, and trying to instill into my son to go like you were talking about, Jake. Your son is going after what he's passionate about. I think it's amazing. I think it's more important than anything. You know, I mean, the money will come. I I worry, and I want to instill that the passion is more important than anything. Like you know, that's that that's what makes you happy. You know, that's 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 where satisfaction comes from. And you can make all the money in the world, and if you're doing it with something you're not passionate about, I'm not sure it's really worth anything yeah right. I mean, it's like it's said all the time though right you, you always you always hear it like oh like follow your passion like but I don't know how, how would you describe that you know like how do you really say that to someone and, and, and like it's one I, thing I don't know how experience you, I don't know how you get it to sink in I, yeah. I literally read a book when I was a kid and I was lost and I didn't know what I wanted to do and I had this degree in management and following the management career path sort of half-assed but not really and it's still, it's like the, the you know, it's the, the first job book you're supposed to read. It's called What Color Is Your Parachute? It's still out there. Yeah, yeah. And it's three or 400 pages, but the end, you know, the, you can summarize those 400 pages in, in one sentence and it's follow your passion. And I took it to heart. I mean, I literally looked at that book. I didn't know what the, I was taking like self-assessment tests and what am I good at and asking people. And for whatever reason, it resonated with me. You know, I actually carry that book in my car and I give it to people. And some people just look at me like I'm nuts. And people are like, well, that worked for you, but it doesn't work for me. So I don't know. I don't know how you convince people of that other than just, I mean, look, you're doing what you're passionate about. You know, I think those people that do that have a connection. Yeah. You know, and I, look, and there's nothing wrong with being passionate about making money, and that's your motivation either. I'm just saying that for me, that wasn't it. Um, but it, it, I think it's if you can, if you're fortunate enough, and, and a lot of people aren't, to be able to make a living and a career out of what you're passionate about. I won't say it doesn't feel like work. I, I have, I get lawsuits. I have insurance. There's, it's still work, you know. But it's fun work, you know, and it's fun. 85% of the time. Oh. Bruce, come on. When people exceed their expectations, just show up to a race, they just want to finish it, and they kick butt, and they're overjoyed with accomplishment, and you provided this vehicle for them to impact the rest of their life, how does that make you feel? Oh, it's cool. Uh, it's, it's super cool. I mean, I think sometimes we lose sight of it because, like, it's a lot of work to do what we do. Um, but it's, no, it's cool. It's cool. It hits the spot. Yeah. It'd be really cool, actually, to... Because um, you, you don't hear those stories, you know, of, oh, I'm, my, you know, I'm going out because my son is going to be riding or doing the same event, you know, uh, the next one. It'd be really cool to, like, capture at the end of these races, like, you know short little snapshots and little interviews like hey like why did you do this like how are you, you yeah that would be amazing and, kind I mean, of like and we try to we try to do it but we don't do enough of it yeah. I'm lucky because we work at the hospital that I get to see probably more of that than a lot of people that do what I do firsthand. yeah you know um, I mean I've met parents I've met children that have passed away and parents of 
children, who parents who have lost their children, who do wow. the triathlon in their honor. Jeez. So when you see that stuff, you're just like, you know, you just, it's completely humbling, you know. Yeah. Or they're running with their kids and, you know. Yep. Mm. Totally, man. You don't want to leave Malibu, do you? No. <laughs> it's, like I, it's like I was meant to be here. <laughs> it's like I was meant to be here, man. So much part of this coast, too, reminds me of, like, um, Miraflores, which is in, in Lima. Oh, really? Okay, yeah, yeah. cool. Yeah, so yeah. probably warmer there, though, huh? <laughs> no, it's like this. You know, oh, is it really the same climate? Yeah, yeah, Pacific Ocean and windy and... We were at County Line, and he goes, man, this reminds me exactly of Lima. I'm going to show yeah. you this place when we go. Yeah. Did you guys hang out there for a while? Yeah. But then you have this part, you know, like with the mountains and all that stuff, and that's like, that's amazing. It's sick, man. It's so sick. What would you say to someone who's kind of uh, like on the fence, you know, like, should I go with my passion or should I? Oh. Do, you, do you tell them like, or do you, do you say anything? Because if they're questioning it, like, you know, they shouldn't do it <laughs> or what? Like, what do you say? No, I mean, that's actually, that's an interesting perspective. But no, I, I, that... <laughs> I mean, I have friends that I've known for same like as long as I've known Bruce that are miserable in their jobs, and I still like, it's one guy that's come to mind that just like I tell him every day, like, dude, like just stop it, like you know your kids are twenty four, twenty five years old, quit your freaking job, and he just loves I hate baseball, he loves baseball. I'm like, just go quit, go be a scout, go coach a t- baseball team, do what you love, like you know. You know, like we were talking earlier, I mean, this is one guy I actually worry about that, you know, he is, I mean, look, at the end of the day, it's his own life and his own destiny, and he's chosen it, but he is going to die never knowing what he's wanted to do. Like, you know, so no, I, I, I definitely tell people that whatever it is, take that chance, work for less money, follow your passion for sure yeah. Yeah. I would never dis- I would today. never discourage anyone from that ever yeah. you know? we wouldn't be sitting no matter how today. ridiculous it sounds you know? yeah. I mean because there's some people's passions just don't sound like they're gonna end up paying the bills you know yeah so I had a passion of scuba diving and I was instructing in Maui at the Sheraton at Black Rock Michael comes out of the water and he goes Bruce Miller we just had a happen chance <laughs> meeting <laughs> right there which reconnected us after a lot of years (laughs) had I not pursued my passion that we wouldn't be sitting here right now yeah so do it go after that passion (laughs) totally where do do you uh, what are kind of your sources of um, I know we talked about energy before but I guess creativity and maybe um, like do you listen to music to kind of get into a flow of uh, processing your thoughts like do you put on a football game do you go on a ride like what are some of the things you like doing to kind of center yourself well I mean those are two different questions like source of creativity I used to not see myself as a creative person at all Um, because at the end of the day everything I've built I've built from the organizational side because that's my background about like trying to build things in blocks and making those blocks line up the reality is those blocks have ended up with things that were pretty creative. So I think I've kind of made peace with the fact that actually I'm creative, you know, just in a different way, not in an artistic way. Totally. Um, so in terms of that, unfortunately for me, the best thing is time pressure. You know, it's, it's just like, 
uh, and I feel sorry for my staff and the people that work with me because my best ideas, and I, I think it's a lot of people, you know, I know my graphic artist who's truly an artist, like, he is always late for a deadline, you know, and it's just, and he, and he comes up with incredible stuff a day after we needed it, you know, we figure out how to make it work, and it's the same thing with me, like, I, you know, I have an event in September, I know right now I'm going to come up with stuff three days before the event that I can't think of right now. Yeah. That's like a game changer, you know, and they're major and like people are going to have to just turn, like people either respect that about me and work with me or they can't work with me, you know, because, and I think that's a lot of people, you know, I mean, it's, I'll never run Disney because you can't run Disney like that. And I think that's why I have a small company, but you know, like we'll come up with the coolest ideas for like, who's going to sing our national anthem, something as mundane as that. Um, and it, 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 unfortunately, those things really set the tone, you know, like, and, you know, kind of set the vibe and the energy, but that stuff, unfortunately, a lot of it just comes under the pressure of like, oh shit, we got to think of something right now. Have you heard of TED Talks? I've heard of it. I haven't really. There's one, there's yet. actually <laughs> a, a TED Talk video about, um, like how they looked at it from like a scientific lens on how procrastinators are they're great creatives and there's like this point in your procrastination that it's like peak procrastination and that's like when you are most lucid and create those game changing moments and like it's like this window opens up and it's because of this pressure it's the craziest thing no that's how I operate for sure no it's something I call like a moment of clarity I'll be like oh (laughs) This is what we're doing. They're like, but we have to do it tomorrow morning. I'm like, they're like, but we've planned this for six months. I'm like, yeah, I know that was a great idea, but we're not doing that. Like, this is what we're doing, and it always works. Yeah. You know, it's like I think I've almost never come up with something at the last minute that's just been like, wow, that's just stupid. You know, but it's not a good thing. It's hard. I think it's it's hard on people too, though. Yeah, it's like nuclear <laughs> fusion. You know. <laughs> oh man. Well, cool. Um, this has been a very laid-back Malibu-style uh, podcast, and you know, full of um, full of good energy, full of knowledge. Um, it's been a complete pleasure of mine to meet you. I, probably, you're probably just like you're, I was about to interrupt rat, you and say to you, man. say to you that your energy is unbelievable, and your not even your energy, but your 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 aura. I mean, just I, I just as soon as you guys walked up the other day, I. Bruce didn't tell me a lot about you. He gave me a little background. I was like, oh, see guy I ride with. And he's super, you know, he's a nice guy. And I was like, oh, wow, this is a good person, you know? And good people are few and far between. So it's an honor to Thank spend you. some time with you. It really Thank is. You. And I mean that. Bro. Thank you, man. Thank you. Uh, yeah. You know, I don't know, Bruce, you want to <laughs> you wanna say anything? My heart's singing. <laughs> you guys. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure, you know, we'll definitely uh, be out here again and, oh. and ride. So Our home is your home. <laughs> thank you so much, man. Thank you for being on the podcast. No, no, thank you. Appreciate it. And that's it, guys. See you cool. later. Peace. This was the most laid-back soaking of information I've ever experienced. I mean, it was incredible to encounter a human with so much energy and business experience and simultaneously being able to keep his feet still and sturdy on earth like a rock. So to find out more about Michael's parties, 
like the Nautica Malibu Triathlon, head to www.nauticamalibutri.com. And, you know, if you're feeling good, you had a great day, and you want to support the children's cancer research, there's a lot of passion behind this. And you can actually donate directly at the Nautica Malibu Tri website um, and help the leading children's pediatric hematology oncology program in California. Thank you so much, guys, for tuning in. I'm super thankful for your ongoing support. Really, you know, we have a lot of you sharing this podcast with your friends. And without your help, I wouldn't be able to be doing this. So much light to all. Let's fuel talk next week. Till then, get in and explore. Peace. Peace.